Geopolitics and Empire is joined by former NYU professor Michael Rechtenwald and author of 11 books, including Google Archipelago, The Digital Gulag, and The Simulation of Freedom. We'll be discussing our digital concentration camp, The Great Reset, and whatever else is on Dr. Rechtenwald's mind. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How is life now that you have been liberated from academia? It's actually excellent. I'm, I'm like, uh, first of all, I don't have to grade papers and uh, I do what I want. I write what I want. And uh, I'm actually making over twice as much money. Yeah, I saw you tweet that recently, which is great. It was just hilarious. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to rehash the story of your background because I think some will be familiar with it. And, and those who aren't, they can view some of your previous interviews uh, where you go into more detail. I'll include links in the description. Uh, essentially, you were a leftist or Marxist and only a few years ago completely left the left and became a libertarian. Uh, I'm not, you know, I don't like to categorize myself so, so much. I'm not a libertarian, but there are many principles of libertarianism and the Austrian school that I very much uh, align with. I have my Mises coffee cup here. Uh, and and as, as you mentioned, you know, you were recently run out of NYU by the leftist woke cancel culture, uh, as others have been, such as Mark Crispin Miller. Um, yeah. But you know, for the last few years and decades, we've been seeing these separate threads kind of forming, you know, culturally, mm -hmm. that of the progressive authoritarian left visible as wokeism, economically, yeah. the for formation of the di digital gulag or Google archipelago, as you call it in your book, which is now censoring, deplatforming, unpersoning, uh, nonconformists. There's yeah. also, you know, climate change ism, which I call, which is being melded with COVID-19 84, and which I see as two sides of the same coin, kind of this religious component, uh -huh, this religious component of this biofascist technocracy, which is, I think, basically eugenics uh, in disguise. Others like Italian philosopher Giorgio Agamben have written on how this biopolitics has literally become kind of like a new religion replete with its own climate and COVID rituals and sacraments. Uh, you, you refer to them as branch COVIDians. Uh, and so... You know, how convenient that all of these systems now are kind of coming online, emerging simultaneously to coalesce globally into this great reset that seems right. to want, want to become a dictatorial, uh, um, globally governing system that will, you know, sick or deploy wokeism or big tech on anyone who will not submit. So, you know, what I'm really most interested in understanding is this great reset, the Google archipelago that they're building around us and its, implica in, its implications for our lives, its component parts, which you describe in your book. You know, you've said in a recent interview that you want to try to understand the Great Reset and that your next book perhaps will be an attempt to do so. So I've got some questions, but, you know, where could we where could we begin in, in dissecting all of this? Well, we could start with um, I guess we could start with just um, the Great Reset in terms of let's talk. Let's talk about how uh, woke ideology fits into it. And so I like to connect these pieces um, and this is. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that they're, <clears throat> well, they are connected. I mean, the, the woke ideology is the, is the ideology that's being pervaded in order to bring about the Great Reset, in order to buy compliance from the, from the population, because other than <clears throat> total technocratic control or violence, state violence, you have to have some sort of means by which to achieve com complicity or compliance on the part of the subject. And I think woke ideology is the means of doing it. It, of course, you know, came came out of the academy and spread, but it's been, I think, engine. It's been it's been adopted and it's being co-opted, if not uh, completely controlled by um, 
the uh, great resetters, for lack of a better term. And it's used to uh, habituate the, the population into uh, believing in the, their unworthiness to have property, their unworthiness to have rights, uh, their, their unworthiness to, to have prospects. Uh, because the Great Reset establishes a kind of two-tiered system, a neo-feudalism, uh, with the corporate oligarchs on top and everyone else living under actually existing socialism. Um, and so the ideology works to make people accept the, uh, the actually existing socialism. And that's why the Great Resetters use terms like equity, fairness, uh, equality and and they emphasize this need to abolish privilege and and you know, basically they use the whole woke lexicon and the whole woke uh ideological um means to achieve that sort of uh complicity or compliance i should say yeah and, and on this topic then uh, of of woke uh and leftism you know myself and many others were trying to figure out you know what's the ideology of this Great reset. You know, essentially, they want in your book. You talk about this this one worldism. They want a global government. They've been writing about yeah. it for a century. I mean, it's in the elites' papers for a century. It's, it's no conspiracy. They'll call us conspiracy theorists, but it's 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 there. And you know, you consider the Google archipelago to be exclusively leftist uh, totalitarianism. There's people calling it Marxism. There's people calling it fascism, uh, corporatism. Yeah. You know, the the Marxists are calling it this this global capitalism you know one of one of my biggest qualms with the left is how on one hand they they lambast the corrupt state and corporations but simultaneously look you know look to them for salvation uh, mm. you, you, know, you know for example you know they'll they criticize the military industrial complex deep states uh the corporations and, and but then the, the, then they'll flip around and you know for example robert kennedy he says big pharma has been criminally con convicted for fraud and murder on many of its most of its drug products but yet somehow yeah. they found jesus when it comes to vaccines you know okay right. so what would this like a cog cognitive dissonance and in your book you right. write quote big digital leftism represents a particular kind of authoritarian globalist identity politics, gender pluralist, transgender, anti-toxic masculinist, anti-cisgender, anti-family, anti-nativist, anti-conventionalist, and anti-traditionalist uh, leftism. So could you talk about, you know, the ideological structure of this Google archipelago? Yeah, yeah. The Google, the Google archipelago is being constructed using all of those precepts, and that is to, to erode, first of all, uh, the nation state, uh, to erode the family, uh, to erode <coughs> gender ideal, gender um, identity, uh, to erode uh, you know Western all, all values, but anything that stands as an impediment to it, which would be something like traditional values and all those things, because in order to bring about this one worldism, you have to eradicate you know the kind of adhesion to various nationalist projects and so forth. So. It's anti-nativist for that reason. Uh, the the uh, the object there is is effectively to leave no buffer between the individual and the corporate state. Um, so this should please your leftist listeners because there is a corporation. Their corporations are involved. They're part of the uh, oligarchy that will be running the show or that is running the show. And uh, they are in alliance with the state. You know, really look at China as the model, effectively. 
Um, you have for-profit corporations, and you have effectively a no middle class in the sense of a civic civil society of independent producers who are not beholden to the state or to this corporate uh, to the corporate uh, oligarchy on top. So we don't they don't have that in China, and that's what they need to eradicate across the the globe, especially in the first world. And that's been under siege with the COVID crisis, of course, uh, with the destruction of small business uh, and the abrogation of rights. All, all of these things are, are going hand in hand. So they are constructing the Google Telego. And that is to say, it is a, I use Google as an emblem for this. Now, it's not like all Google is doing this. Google's, the name Google, just an emblem for this whole technocratic elite. Uh, and, you know, the Internet is, of course, one of their main vehicles because we're, you know, basically that it's the public square. It's it's the, everything that means anything is digital now. So digital, the digital element is really the, the foundation and digitality really is what will enable all this kind of surveillance and control uh, and the monitoring and uh the information collection and uh, uh, collation and so forth that will be required to have complete knowledge of everyone's every move and if not their innermost thoughts. If we could then, I mean, expand on that. That was one of my questions, you know, as, you did, as you've given us this vision that in your book, Google Archipelago, this dystopian transhumanist technocratic uh, vision the elites have for us. Uh, as you said, China is the model. They have the social credit system. Uh, in your book, I think you said it's it's already operating in, in 50 countries, uh, 50 cities in China with these smart uh, cities. And, right. you know, it's like where every imaginable facet of our virtual and physical lives will be surveilled, quantified, commodified. And on this basis, we will either be rewarded or, or punished. One of my favorite interviews that I conducted um, last year was with the historian Edwin Black, who covered the nexus between Nazi Germany and IBM and, and, and Rockefeller and General Motors. And, and uh, you know, he calls this future cashless society eugenics. And that the consequences of not complying is being put in an algorithm uh, ghetto, like the Jews were put yeah, in the physical right. ghettos. And, you know, you won't be able to buy or sell. You will become a non-entity and possibly literally starve to death. So, you know, uh, how long, you know, what does this world look like and, and how far, how close do you think it is to, to come becoming a reality? Well, I mean, the, the social credit score is already on the way vis-a-vis -vis the medical passport or the vaccine passport. Uh, that's going to be the pretense for introducing it for most of the West. And uh, the the next step will be the digital, uh, universal digital currency, uh, which will then, of course, make it impossible for you to buy, sell, or trans do any transactions without knowledge, without the knowledge of a central database. And then, therefore, will make it impossible for the black market to survive for other kinds of transactions that are unknown to be made, you basically have to be a uh, an approved uh, producer, distributor, etc., in order to be able to tran uh, conduct transactions. So this is a way of starving off uh, com competition, but also eliminating, um, you know, independent and uh, non-compliant uh, sellers, buyers, etc. So yeah, this will be a way to starve off the dissonant, in effect. 
if you don't comply with uh, all of these precepts of the vaccines and the top-off vaccines and so forth and so on, you could be starved out of the economy entirely. Yeah, you, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of a pessimist uh, in the sense, you know, no one wants to listen to me. My 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 wife said enough of me. My my mother uh, in the church group, you know, in, in my 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 non-Christian friends, it's like no one is taking this seriously, and it seems like they're pushing forward with this. You know, I was listening to Boris Johnson yesterday saying, you know, by 2022, everyone's got to be vaccinated, and he says we need to introduce this global. He literally says, "quote like a global surveillance system for." Uh, a pandemic, right? He literally says for, for a, a p- pandemic, you know, it's just like, who are you kidding? It's obvious what, what, what you're doing. And, you know, for me, for example, now I want to go back to my homeland uh, in Croatia, but you need to take a test or, or get the vaccine. The EU just rolled out today uh, their green passport. I'm, n- I'm never taking a test or, 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 or a vaccine, so I can't go home uh, now. And it's, it's just crazy. And, you know, in, in your book, you were, you were mentioning um, bio-artificial intel- intelligence uh politics. So uh, this is like, you know, the, the biopolitics, they call it the biosecurity regime. And I, I think the same as you, that they'll start with the vaccine passport, and then they're going to add modules, like link it then to the to your bank account, and then to yes. your social media, and then to your, you know, passport, uh, and, and everything else. And it'll be a huge socio-political, uh, it'll be a socio-political credit score. And I say political, because this means your your views and your your compliance or lack thereof will be registered on that. There'll be an index for that. So if you're not com- if you're not compliant in a number of ways, like with wokeism or with the vaccines and so forth, this will all be registered. This will all be known, and it'll be used in order to allow you to travel, to move out of a certain perimeter, uh, things like that. Uh, and this is what happens in China. I mean, you can't move, you can't, if your credit, social credit score is too low, you can't leave a certain city. You can't go beyond a certain perimeter. If you do, it's immediately sets off alerts. And this will be implemented here, uh, vis-a-vis the medical passport as the first step. And as you're right, they'll add different, um, algorithmic modules in order to, uh, uh, create a total system which will monitor almost every aspect, if not every aspect of your behavior and thoughts, perhaps. We've heard recently, you know, they announced in Israel that they're dropping the vaccine passport. The UK said that we're not doing it, but I view it as two steps forward, one step back. I mean, it seems like they're, they're, they're pushing it through. Um, I mean, do, do you see any hope or like for the near future, do you just see this like pushing forward? I think they're trying to habituate us to the idea. And then, uh, you know, like you say, I think there is kind of like uh, one, you know, one, two step here, a dance going on where they're moving ahead a couple steps, stepping back one, just because, you know, you see the pressure building against it and uh, they, they want to sort of slowly implement this well, slowly, but surely, and not that slowly, really. But yes, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain it's going to happen worldwide. Uh, that this vaccine passport, because what they're going to have to have different variants in order to justify it. Of course, we know variants really are, are not a threat. As a matter of fact, it's possible the vaccine is actually uh, accelerating the production of variants uh, because the, uh, you know, it allows, it's, it, it basically uh, creates variants by virtue of uh, making them more adaptable. <laughs> and um, so, 
And but the variants aren't really dangerous. What's dangerous is what the responses of the variants and the ideology, the, the narrative around the variants. And this will be a means by which they'll say, well, we have to do it. Um, and then, of course, there'll be top ups on the vaccines. And um, it's just going to be an incremental uh, process whereby they basically draw us into this as an eventuality. Yeah. And, and, and to kind of poke at, look at the the global structure of this. You know, we have the, the Great Reset out of Davos World Economic Forum. You've got the think tanks, foundations, you know, Gates Foundation, Soros, you know, the whole usual suspects. And a number of my guests have been saying, you know, there's this resistance from Russia or, or China, but I kind of don't see it that way. It seems like virtually every nation, uh, most politicians have been co-opted, uh, bought off if they haven't some of them have disappeared or been assassinated we've seen like in tanzania and, and yes or, or belarus they tried to do a coup in, in belarus um but it's but we see there are there's evidence of within russia uh you know the banking system in russia seems to be on board uh the prime minister is spoke at world economic forums uh, cyber polygon mm -hmm. exercise so how and you've talked about this. it's it's they want a world government a one world monopoly do you see kind of all nations are on board how, how do you see the, the structure well, they're networking them together they're they're going to network the nation the national uh governments together uh and you know you see all this kind of language about universal this that and the other thing universal tax for example corporate universal corporate tax these kind of moves are meant to uh, create a kind of one world knitted up system. The, the a global network, uh, global corporate tax, for example, would just destroy uh, non oligarchical corporations by virtue of making it too expensive to operate. They'll just, well, it will just further monopolize uh, the top tier. And they're using the ESG score this way, of course. The uh, environmental, uh, social, and governance score—it's like a so—it's like a social credit score for corporations. And Larry Fink, the uh, CEO of BlackRock Inc., which is the largest asset manager in the world, is wrote a letter to all CEOs, effectively uh, major, all the major CEOs received it, and it effectively said, if you don't comply with this ESG index, you're, you're, you're not going to get investments. We're going to direct them elsewhere. So this is a way to keep starving off other certain industries and certain producers so that then it creates more coalescence at the top, less competition, more monopolization. And then the monopolies um, necessarily have a, a vested interest in the state and being effectively part of it or state apparatuses. Um, I consider them to be corporate state apparatuses. They're not really distinct from the state as such. There's a state corporate convergence that's underway, such that these states are, you could say, these corporations are merely state appendages. Um, and it's hard to say who's the hand and who's the glove. And it really doesn't matter for our standpoint because you got to look at them as all in the same uh, coalition, and they are going to be, uh, you know, you know, you got to have corporate compliance for these vaccine passports to run. That is, the corporations who are going to be enforcing the requirements for these passports. Can you go here? Can you go there? Can you shop there? Can you go, you know, shop there? Can you travel? Can you not? 
All this will be done through, you know, the airline industry. Uh, all, all of the major industries will be on board on this. So we've kind of fleshed out the big picture here. We've given the skeleton structure, you know, the whole great reset. The, it's, it's a global government monopoly, right? Uh, as you said, they've ne they're networking all national, you know, nations, national political structures and then private corporate structures. Um, they're for us individuals, they're using the vaccine passport and social credit score. As you said, for corporations, they're using the ESG to take care of that. We we mentioned right. the, the woke, the cultural aspect, right? Woke cancel culture. Um, is there any other like component or, that you think? Is, yeah, well, of course, the tech, the technology, uh, and that is uh, the, the technology with the passport is going to be involved With, which will also, as we said, we'll have other modules, other algorithmic modules uh, that will, uh, <clears throat> you know, have to do with massive databases where all of this is stored and interactively shared and uh, that, uh, you know, amounts to a surveillance state, a global surveillance state, uh, whereby every move you make and possibly the thoughts you have, or at least the elements of your brain that are activated at different times will be known. And effectively there's predictive algorithms that'll deter, that'll try, that'll predict your behavior and maybe even preempt it. So there's technology, there's probably <clears throat> the fusion of the transhuman aspect, the transhumanist aspect or the fusion of machine and human uh, intelligence which will be sold as an enhancement. Like, oh, you'll be on the web at all times. You'll be able to just think and pull up that data. But the other, the problem is that the other way is also available. You'll be transmitting data. So, uh, and I, I deal with this in my novel, Thought Criminal, in effect. Um, just let me say something about that. I'm not just trying to sell a book, but in the novel, there's a virus, but it consists of nanobots. It's not biological, uh, and, and they don't tell you that, but it's actually nanobots that attach to the neurons of the neocortex and transmit data back and forth between this database called collective mind. I think that's effectively what <clears throat> what will happen, whether it's nanobots or chips or other types of implants <clears throat> is hard to say, but I think possibly nanobots actually. Yeah, I've been looking at you know some of the the facts, the evidence, the science. Where you know there's already people that are chipped, uh, and that you know some of the problems they have is since we have this this uh, our flesh, uh, and then you have like you said the the bots, the the metal or whatever, and they're trying to find they can't just merge them together. And there were articles discussing you know using silicon or whatever kind of gel or something to get them to to, to fuse. But here, yes. Whereas nanobots can latch right onto the uh, neurons. Uh, they can latch onto the neurons and then they'll have, they're gated. So they have gates that open and close and then receive and transmit data uh, to a central database. This all sounds crazy, but this technology is already underway. I mean, I just watched a video of a, a, a military video of this. Uh, I guess he's a general, but he works in uh, neurology and neuroscience. And uh, he said all of these tools are at their disposal. And there, of course, he pretends like it has to do with outside forces using them against us. But what is the outside force here? What about the inside force uh, and the, the use by the state on the actual individual or the subject 
uh, I think that's well on, well on the table here. I think an- another important point you, you, you make in your book, you talk about simulated uh, rea- reality. You know, you talk about Russiagate as their first kind of simulated re- reality or fictional narrative creation. You know, uh, I see it on my podcast, social media, as I try to push out what I think is the truth, the true narrative, you know, and all sorts of things happen. There's censorship, censorship, there's bots, probably government agents commenting and doing things to alter my narrative to see doubt with listeners and make it appear to other viewers that I'm, you know, off the reservation. But, you know, I think we're seeing the simulated reality. We have now QAnon, uh, you know, the flat earth phenomenon, which I think is just, they're, they're trying to see, they're testing this to see how many people they can get to believe in, in these false uh, uh, narratives. Right. I think QAnon could have been floated as a kind of a, a CIA psyops pop, uh, uh, operation in order to discredit any kind of uh, counter narratives and to, you know, there, there's also a meme war on, on underway, of course. You know, with the standard memes of conspiracy theorists and other types of memes that are completely, you know, constantly bombarded at us. So we're under, it's a mental battlescape uh, that's being constructed. And they talk about this brain, the brain as the ultimate battle space where they're talking about interrupting thoughts and changing thoughts vis a vis technology. Uh, so all of this is on the table. Um, so we're, but it's right now they're using sort of low tech. Well, it's somewhat low tech. I mean, it's being propagated through the internet, these memes. Um, and, uh, that's, that's another part of the, the puzzle. Yeah. I think another down the line, uh, fictional narrative that they're going to run is the whole UFO alien thing. Uh, you know, I, Mark Crispin Miller gave a speech last weekend. He, he thinks it's going to happen by this summer before the fall, but I think they're, they're preparing us for, for that. I, I personally don't believe in, you know, extraterrestrials, but I think they're going to use that. Uh, you write in your book, quote, upon assuming power, authoritarian leftists quickly morph into totalitarians, uh, end quote. So, you know, what fate awaits uh, America under the Biden soon-to-be-Harris uh, administration uh, and beyond? Well, I mean, we're being, we're being eroded apart. You know, the sovereignty of the nation is, comp- is being eroded, of course, uh, and our rights are being abrogated. And uh, there's many elements to that, of course. Um, you know, I mean... Biden's already uh, conscripting uh, corporations to monitor uh, various platforms in order to uh, report on behavior because the state is not allowed to do that. So, again, they're hiring corporations or outsourcing state apparatuses to uh, continue surveillance and extend it. Um, So I think under Biden, what we're going to see is... uh, uh, the the erosion of uh, well politically speaking there's uh, there's the collapse of the nation state by by virtue of many things like unfettered immigration um, uh, increased taxes uh, inflation um, uh, the reduction of people to effectively uh, to the point where they're going to have to institute something like universal basic income and um, the uh, the continued use of woke ideology to uh, habituate the privileged into believing they're undeserving of anything uh, as prospects, uh, property, uh, rights, and so forth and so on. So 
Uh, I think that's what we're going to see by the end of four years. If Biden, it won't really be Biden. I put Biden in quotes. I think by the country's being run by kind of Politburo. Um, and uh, that Politburo is uh, connected to these other global actors. Just not, you know, on the use of the woke cancel culture, this I, I, some people call it cultural Marxism. It's, it seems to be restrained largely to Canada, U.S., you know, New, the, the West, New Zealand, uh, Europe, you know, Australia. Mm-hmm. I, I've, been, I've been living in the former Soviet Union, right? So I've been living in Kazakhstan, where it's largely uh, culturally conservative, very con- much, you know, traditional religion, you know, Islamic, uh, Orthodox, Christian. I, I'm mm-hmm. here in Mexico, where it's also largely conservative, but you have, you know, this feminist Marxism mm-hmm. strong here. So if it's global, like, you know... There have to be local producers of it. You know, the United States is is the local producer of wokeness, which is then being transported. It's being exported all all over the world. I mean, even France is complaining about this now, even though, you know, you might say in a way that postmodernism was their production. Now the effects of postmodern theory have become practical. I call I call social justice or wokeness practical postmodernism. It's being refashioned and exported back to these places. And so the U.S. is going to be is exporting this. You know, transgenderism is, is another uh, prong of this, uh, and they're exporting that uh, and uh, trying to. Uh, in fact, that could be one of the main reasons why Russia is such a target, because they are resisting such uh, such measures, such programs, policies, ideologies and so forth. And yeah, I, I'd agree with you. And, you know, I think it's just going to take time. I'm, you know, my thought was, you know, I, I don't live in the U.S. I'm American. You know, you can't cancel me. You can't fire me because I, I'm, I'm working in, in these conservative countries. But I think over time, it's, it's eventually going to come here, you know, to Mexico and, and Kazakhstan. Yeah. And these things are irresistible because they're like parasites. The, these are these ideologies sap the strength of those places where they get exported to and they can't lose. There's there's something about them. Uh, they have a kind of compulsion to believe based on their sort of ideological construction such that they force the host to finally accept them in some measure. At least some hosts will accept them, and then they spread, uh, and then they do the same to other people. Uh, they, are, they work on this, uh, these notions of equality and fairness and all these kinds of things. And then it gets into this, the structure of the thoughts and eventually subverts the subject. And they have no uh, choice but to accept these things because they follow from other premises. So they seem to follow naturally from other premises. Like, why can't you accept transgender people? That would be bigotry. So using kind of like um, understood notions of equality and, and uh, fairness and so forth, they uh, subvert the uh, order of uh, hier- the hierarchy and the, uh, the ideological hierarchy in the brain, and then they uh, thereby went over the host. Yeah, and yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And, and finally, then to turn to some solutions you know <laughs> what do yeah. we do um i i again i i mark crispin miller gave a great uh talk uh over the weekend at gerald salente's rally on on saturday he said i think he summed things up really well he said quote i think that what we're up against is pure uh, evil an entity or movement or impulse against nature and against humanity itself 
The problem is that people don't want to face it. Naturally, they don't want to face it to admit that the authorities you've respected and, and assumed are interested in your welfare are the very authorities bent on wiping uh, you out. And that's something we have to face, end quote. And, you know, it's basically most people have St Stockholm syndrome, this cognitive dissonance, and they don't have the strength to face the fact that we're up against this absolutely horrific, cruel, even, you know, the demonic in, in nature, um, evil, you know, how do you see this? How do we see yes, people? I, mean, I agree with them. I think that's, uh, we're, we're up against, uh, of course, the, this idea of the authorities being actually inimical to our interests is no question about it. Um, if, if they weren't, let's just take a few things. You know, let's, let's verify what, why this is so. If they were really concerned about our health and well-being, for example, they wouldn't have instituted things like lockdowns, mass mandates, and social distancing, and then vaccines. They would have allowed the treatment of COVID vis-a-vis -vis known remedies, known uh, not curatives, but definitely remedies like ivermectin and others, hydro hydroxychloroquine and, and uh, chloroquine, and, and also steroids and other measures, medical measures. It would allow people to be treated before they became so ill that they had to be hospitalized, but they didn't allow this at all. So they let people die, in effect. Uh, they let these symptoms go on, and they did not mitigate them vis-a-vis -vis known, known remedies. And therefore, this all, all roads led to the vaccine, right? And so and the vaccine itself is dangerous especially for anybody healthy to, to take the vaccine is counter. It's, it's just, it's crazy. And then the vaccine leads to control. So it proves that they have an, our interest at, at heart. They don't have our interest in mind here. This is, the, this is a, a, an agenda, which is proven itself by virtue of the fact that they don't care about your interested and they've proven they don't care about your interest. So everything he says is right. Uh, what do we do about it? Um, well, we're doing something right now, and we have to continue to, to bolster islands of resistance and networks of resistance uh, to fortify uh, econ economies and social networks are, of our own. Outside, you know, I don't mean social networks in, as in uh, Facebook and Twitter. I mean social networks that are durable, uncancelable, and uh, that have. Uh, uh, properties of restoring our, our rights and also our independence and our autonomy. Um, all those things can be done. It's there's a window of opportunity left, but it's closing. And you also mentioned previously, I, I think in your book or in, in interviews, as you said, to create these independent communities, networks, and means of income. You know, yes. uh, to to become ungovernable, uncancelable, um, and to withstand these vir virulence. Uh, assaults wherever they come from, wokeism, a cancel culture, as you've experienced from NYU, or whether, you know, they turn off. I had my Patreon terminated two, three months ago. So whether they're, you know, turning off your, your accounts, um, how, how possible do you think that will be? Because, you know, you mentioned like, for very example, difficult. it's very difficult because we don't know the extent to which they'll go. For example, even your, uh, your utilities could be tied to this. So that you're you won't have electricity, so you won't have internet, you won't have anything. So it's very difficult to do. Um, but while there are still uh, possibilities, like the, the so far, 
so far, you know, they're not canceling people's cell phone, uh, cell phones over uh, their politics or their dissidents. Uh, so, but in the interim, I mean, it's possible they will. Uh, they'll, you'll be canceled out of basic necessities. Um, until then, we have to use the time uh, that we have while we're on, while we're still on canceled. Uh, to continue to build these networks and try to, ide- we have to counter the narratives, the ideologies. We have to counter the um, uh, the imperatives of the state, corporate apparatuses, um, and um, we have to also we may we may have to become a germ of uh, liberty that survives uh, for the next generations because it may be that our rights per se will be gone. Uh, but we have to have a vestige to hand down to posterity in order for that to survive. Otherwise, the very ideas of liberty will be lost. And and uh, yeah, I would agree with you. We we do what we can with the window that we have right now. Do the most we can. I guess hope that uh, this window continues and things don't get that stark. But I, I also think that if we just extrapolate and, and go to the logical con- conclusion, if this just continues, uh, I, you know, I'm already I've made peace you know i'm i'm ready to be thrown uh in, in the physical or digital gulag you know my grandfather was a nazi prisoner when world war 2 he survived um and it's like i I've, i'm already mentally you know yeah. so do you, do you think that that if if this just goes down that road we uh we will have an algorithm ghetto where everything will be turned off you literally won't be able to buy food and you'll literally quite literally uh, starve to death or be living in the forest or, you know, maybe they'll even be sending drones after you and, and be taking you to some encampment. Yeah. I mean, that's very possible. Uh, so yeah, you have to be, you have to face the prospect of what it means to, with, to withstand, you know, to, to reject, to refuse, uh, I call, you know, it might be called a grand refusal uh, and you, you may have to face the prospect, you know, the, the prospects of what that means and be ready for it. And be willing to do it. All right. Uh, any any final thought for us then? Um, don't give up. Um, and um, pray. To be honest, I would uh, back that up one hundred percent. And okay, so you are on um, Twitter, which yes. uh, you often do say in your interviews should be have a bigger uh, <laughs> following. We're all being you know shadow banned or whatever, and I could. Right. Retweet you often. Uh, you have your website, uh, michaelrectonwall.com. All the links will be in the description. Are there any other websites, books, or projects that uh, we should know about? No, everything's on michaelrectonwall.com. Um, I'm, wor- I'm, you know, in the gestational stage for another work, uh, and I don't know when it'll come out. But uh, just go to michaelrectonwall.com. You'll find all my essays, interviews, um, books, and so forth. Yeah, contact if you want to contact me. All right, Professor Dr. Michael Rechnewald, follow him on Twitter, uh, get his books. Another great dissident standing up to our techno-feudal tyranny. Thank you for setting the example for us, and thanks for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast interview. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list through which you can receive an update of every new podcast, as well as a long list of key news headlines once a week. We're being heavily censored. YouTube has deleted some of our videos, and we currently have one strike. 
Patreon has terminated our account. Facebook has restricted our page and Reddit has been the leading posts. Our favorite social media channels are Telegram and Twitter. The best places to watch the podcast beyond YouTube are on Odyssey, BitChute, and Brighteon. The best places to listen to the podcast are on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google, or on any other podcast app. To help keep this podcast alive, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else. Subscribe to all our platforms and leave a donation if possible via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. You can also find us on MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, VK, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.